Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 428. You know, look down the road, keep an eye out, and drive hard. Test drive, test drive, test drive. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Tom Volk. Tom, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Let's do it. All right. Great to have you here. Tom Volk is an automotive contributor to the New York Times, the Seattle Times, and King Television. That's an NBC affiliate here in Seattle, Washington. His automotive reviews appear weekly in the Times, both print and web, and his top-rated iTunes podcast, Driven, was the first ever to win an Emmy Award. Congratulations for that. I hope someday I can do that. He writes reviews about new vehicles for King, and he shoots, writes, and edits all of his own videos. Tom's known for his signature TP trunk test, which we're going to learn a little bit about, I hope, and he's an avid runner and has competed in over 40 marathons, including eight Boston marathons. Very cool. Tom, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles before we get into some of the questions I have for you today? Sure. Boy, I think you covered pretty much all of it. But um, <laughs> I will say the big question that I always get is about the Costco TP trunk test. Yes. Um, and everybody always wants to know what I do with all of that bath tissue once I'm done with it. But <laughs> let me tell you a quick little story about how that all happened. When I first started the reviews, I was trying to figure out some way to measure the trunk, something that was a constant metric. And I was at Costco and said, wow, it looks perfect. It's about the size of a rollaway suitcase. And so I talked to the manager and he said, yeah, go ahead. But if you're going to do this on a regular basis, you should probably call a corporate. Mm -hmm. So I did. So I called the person at the switchboard and explained what I was going to do. And they said, yeah, hang on. And I thought they were sending me back to the public relations department. Uh And so I'm talking to this other guy and he goes, I love cars. Go ahead. Do it. That's great. And I'm like, okay. Do I need a piece of paper or anything? He goes, no, no, just go ahead, do it. You're fine. 
Mm. And I'm like, um, <laughs> okay, do you have a name or something that I can drop so they know that this is all on the up and up? And he goes, yeah, I just said, I just said Jim. Jim said it was okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Jim, Jim, do you have a last name? Jim Senegal. Senegal, Jim yeah. is the guy that started Costco. They sent me back to the guy who started Costco, not to some PR guy. Very cool. Which kind of tells you what that company is all about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this test involves you bringing a whole bunch of rolls of toilet paper, those big bundles that you get at Costco, and you see how right. many you can shove into the trunk, right? Yeah, and the great thing about it is it's not, it's a little bit malleable. So there's a little bit of give and take, but it's it's a useful size because people don't put cubic feet into their trunk. No. They put boxes, and those are often rectangular. And so it, it's a really good real-world test. Maybe, you know, a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of humor in there, too, because, you know, <laughs> I'm always trying to add a little bit of humor because the world needs a little bit of a, of a laugh now and then. Absolutely. And everybody laughs at toilet paper jokes. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. There's nothing funnier than toilet paper. There you go. Well, very cool. We're going to learn more about what you do as we move through here. But first, I always like to start the journey by asking my guests for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life, your success, your career. And it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? Or the toilet paper rolls rolling. Ah, yes. (laughs) Tom, take the wheel. Boy, inspirational quote. You know, I don't have an actual phrase that I would use all the time, but I would say that the one thing that always helps is just plain old work hard. (laughs) Yes. Um, Work hard, work ahead. Be prepared because I think, as we all know, basically luck favors the prepared. Yes, you know, and and as long as you're you're working ahead and you're looking ahead and you're looking at options, you can be more flexible. You can react better. You're on top of your game. And I I just have found throughout my life that if I'm working hard, things just end up working better for me. Yes. You know, way, way back when I was in college, my father taught me a lesson. He said, you know, the next guy might be a little smarter than you are, but if you can outwork him, you'll always be ahead. So work hard. Oh, yes. Work hard. That came from his farm mentality. He grew up on a farm in Texas where, of course, everyone knows farmers have to work really hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and there certainly have been smarter people than me. But, um, I mean, I do remember when I got my first job in television, I wrote at the bottom where it said, do you have any other qualifications? It was a dumb thing to do, but I just wrote in really, I, I really wrote very heavily on the bottom of the, of the application. I will work very, very hard. There you go. And when they called me back for the interview, the guy said, really, will you work very, very hard? And I said, Yes, I will. I will work very, very hard. And yes. that got me into television, which inevitably got me into car reviews. But that's another story. Another story. Well, it's so important. I've run companies. I've hired many, many people. I've had a lot of people work under me. And I tell you, the folks that work hard get noticed because you know who the people are that are working hard and you know the people that aren't working hard. And so uh, it's very, very important. Will you share a story with me that instigated your personal passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment that you can remember in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy? 
You know, I've always been a car guy. I mean, always, 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 always. I can't remember when I wasn't a car guy. I was seven years old when Mattel Hot Wheels came out. Mm -hmm. And I was absolutely riveted. My dad tells the story that all I wanted for Christmas was a Hot Wheels set. And apparently, (laughs) back in the day, they were made of unobtainium. They were not available. They were so white hot popular that they literally couldn't be found anywhere. They were they were that amazing. Um, and you know, I grew up in northern Minnesota, so your chances of of getting something there were even less. Slim to none. <laughs> my, yeah, and my dad worked for Sears at the time, and he said that he literally on his lunch breaks would wait in the back and wait for the trucks and then they would unload it and he saw a box of them and he was able to snag one. Nice. And I still remember this as like one of my greatest moments, my greatest Christmases, opening that Hot Wheels stunt set. Oh yeah. I was absolutely thrilled. And and it just went on for years and years. In study hall, spent way too much time drawing cars. I sent them off to Mattel. I actually got a letter from Ruth Handler, who was wow. the president of Mattel, wow. saying, you can't send any more drawings. <laughs> you can't use your drawings because it's a legal thing. Yeah. I really wish I would have kept that letter. Yeah. Uh, and, and then years later, I was actually able to go to the Mattel studios and uh, did a story with Larry Wood, who's the, they call him Mr. Hot Wheels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. Which was like, yeah, which was like one of those amazing things in my life. I thought, okay, I can die now. I've (laughs) met Mr. Hot Wheels. I've been to the studios. It was great. It was really fun. Yeah. I've always been a car guy. Design has always been one of those things that I eat up. I really probably should have been an industrial designer because that's what I really, really love. Yeah. But I just didn't know that's something that you could do. My son's studying industrial design. He's in his last semester back at Rhode Island School of Design. So, uh, oh, good for I'll, him. I'll have him give you a call when he graduates and uh, tell you all about it. Yeah. I was a Hot Wheels kid, too. I remember those orange tracks. I had, had them all over the house. And luckily, where I lived, it was easy to get them. So we could always just run down to the Five and Dime or the Birdwalk Pharmacy uh, that even sold them down the street. And we'd get them. But, yeah, they were great fun. Yeah. And you know what? Before, about 30 years ago, I was doing a, a story in rural Minnesota. And we went into a hardware store. And swear to God, I look up on this upper shelf and covered with dust. Oh, were wow. the two first original Hot Wheels sets that had been sitting there for probably 15, 20 years. Yeah. And I said, hey, are those for sale? He goes, oh, you can have them. We just want to get rid of them. <laughs> oh, I said, wow. no, I'll buy them. That's fine. But um, wow. so I have the two, the stunt set and the hot curve set. Very cool. Remo in the box. They're they're like those one of those collectible things that I have yeah. that I just love. So lucky guy, lucky guy. Well, I still have yeah. all my old Hot Wheels cars. I even have my old Matchbox by Lesney cars. That dates me a little bit from the sixties. Oh, so yeah. uh, yep, I'm sitting here looking at the first one my dad ever bought me is a red Jaguar XKE. So. Uh. Well, Tom, what I'd love to do is uh, take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk a little bit here about a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. It's a really important part of our talk for our listeners to learn a little bit how to get through things 
So tell us about that. What happened in your life? And more importantly, how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you? Flat on my face. Well, that happens weekly, but let's see here. <laughs> um, you know, here's something. The station that I work for, King Television, great television station, nationally known for doing great work. And for about 10 years, I kept pushing these car reviews. And, you know, they were doing them on the air. And it was always sort of the redheaded stepchild. And they never knew where to put them. And I just kept pushing it. And I kept pushing it. And I kept pushing it. And finally, one day, this one guy who was in management who really didn't like them got enough power. So he just said, you know what? I've canceled them. Mm. You're done. And it was it was very depressing. Oh, yes. Because I had worked really, really hard on them, and I really believed in them. Yeah. And so I thought about it for a couple days, and I had the podcast, and I thought, you know, I really like doing these, and people seem to like them, so I'm going to buy my own gear, and I'm going to produce them myself, and I'm going to do them on the weekends, and I'm just going to keep it up. So, you know, about $20,000 worth of video gear and a new laptop and software and all that kind of stuff and microphones. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, I said to the station, you know, the whole TP trunk test. And I did this thing called evil twin that's called intellectual property. And I said, look guys, I'm buying all of this gear. I need to know that I can use my intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And I went, no, I need it in writing. <laughs> yeah, that would help. Yeah. And they said, sure. And like a day later on my desk was, you can use this and all that sort of stuff. And I'm nice. like, what? Great. This is crazy. Yeah. Because, you know, they don't do that. Yeah. And so I did. I started doing them for YouTube and everything was great. And then about six months later, I got a call from the New York Times. Hmm. And they said, we are looking to add contributors to our video and we are wondering if we could license these reviews from your station. Cool. I'm like, well, no, but you can license <laughs> them from me. Yes. And so it's one of those things that I was persistent and I really did believe in them because I didn't think anybody was doing reviews quite the way that I was. I just try to relate to people, not just enthusiasts, but people who are having trouble buying a car or looking for a car or, knowing what features are out there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I try to make it very, very egalitarian nice. um, and, 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 not, and not talk over people's heads mm -hmm. because people just need information. I don't need to show off that I know any more or less than anybody else when it comes to cars. And so, yeah, I was really happy that I was persistent because as a journalist, I've, I've worked in television and done television news and, and that kind of stuff for a long, long time. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I was going to work for the New York Times. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be exposed to some really amazing people that work there. I mean, the people that I deal with every day there, you know, Bob Getz and Jim Shambari, these guys are great and they help me. And it's really great to be part of that team. I, I'm, I'm thrilled. Fantastic. It's a wonderful story for listeners out there and an inspiration that sometimes when things look really bad, it's just a nice pivot 
keep doing what you're passionate about, what you're good at, and find another way to do it. And that's exactly what you did. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those what I like to call a career aha moment when the headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for a new direction, a new idea that you have. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Uh, That one is actually pretty easy. There's a little bit of a backstory. Back in 1989, Mazda came up with the Miata. And I grew up in Minnesota where owning a convertible was not a good idea. (laughs) It didn't make a lot of sense. And my wife, bless her heart, she's very practical. I told her, look, I really, really want to get this car. I've always wanted a convertible. And she's like, oh, my God. You know, because I was always buying cars and I was always doing this. She goes, you're keeping that until your unborn children are out of college. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Because she thought, you know, I was going to get tired of it in two years and want to sell it. But I really like the car. And so fast forward, my two children are now for the first time going to school at the same school. (laughs) Nice. And I am driving them to school and I come home one night and my daughter is talking to my wife saying, oh, no, I sit on the seat and Shani's on the floor and we do drills. I say police, and he ducks. I'm like, oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. Wrong thing to tell mom. Yeah, my wife is looking at me, you know, the way that spouses look at you when mm-hmm. you're doing something really stupid. I know that look. Yeah, I don't we all know that look? And she said, you're selling the car. And I went, no, no, no. I do believe the terms were unborn children, out of college. <laughs> we now have a, a timeline, but I will buy another car, a car with four seats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the Miata at that point was like 10 years old, and it really wasn't worth all that much. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, let me just keep it because it's such a fun car. I will buy a cheap car, and, you know, that'll be the, the practical car. Sure. And so I ended up buying a car from an auto writer who is named Des Toops, and he worked for MSN Autos occasionally. Mm-hmm. And... When I told him at King, I always did all of the television stuff when it came to cars because cars was, at the time, my useless command of knowledge. <laughs> and he said, wow, you, you, cause we were talking for about a half an hour. He goes, wow, you do know a lot about cars. You should do what I do. They have press cars here in Seattle, and you could do reviews. Nice. And I was like, what? What? Yeah. (laughs) I could drive new cars? (laughs) Yeah. And so so I ended up buying this Ford Focus from Des. And three weeks later, I was trying this pilot thing out where I I was going to try to review cars. And at the time, I was not an on-air person. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a photographer, editor, and producer. I wrote TV stories. Mm -hmm. But I was definitely not an on-air person and I was actually going to produce them for an on-air talent but he knew nothing about cars and so my boss said go get a haircut go buy (laughs) some nice clothes and just stand in front of the camera and see what you can do yeah and so from then on there I I had I, I had this Ford Focus and it never got driven I mean my neighbors drove it people from out of town came in they drove it I lent it to people for months at a time. I never drove it. You didn't um, need it. For, <laughs> yeah, for like six years, because I, I kept thinking, well, the car reviews are going to go 
away because they don't know what to do with them. And it just kept going on and on and on. So I, I finally sold it about four, four or five years ago. But that was it. That was the aha moment where I just thought, you know, this would be so much fun to, to do car videos. And at the time, there weren't an awful lot of them. Mm-hmm. Now, the, all these videos, you're still doing those today? Are they visible where someone can go and watch all these to learn about new cars? Sure. You can go to the New York Times, of course, scroll down to the bottom of the page. They have an automotive section. They're all cataloged there. There's, um, I think I've done somewhere in the neighborhood of close to 100 for them. Wow, great. Because I generally do one a week. Uh And then on my YouTube page, which is probably the best place, it's called Driven Car Reviews. Um, If you go there, there are a lot more because I was doing them before the New York Times there, and even while I was at King. And then I also have a podcast on iTunes if you want to just download them onto your iPhone or iPad. Absolutely, Um, yep. Yeah. Cool, cool. And that's called Driven, right? Yes, I, and I and driven has been taken, so it's always driven car reviews. That'll get you straight there, or you can just put in my name, Tom Volk, and it's V as in Victor O E L K. There's that weird little E that somebody at Ellis Island gave my ancestors. So, <laughs> Thank you very uh, much. I'm not sure. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah I like the E on the end of my name, Green E. So uh, somebody yeah, added a little uh, Italian flair there. So I'm not sure why. Yep. How about proudest career moments? I know you're an Emmy winner. Maybe that's the one, but is there one moment in time with your career that really makes you proud you want to share with us? You know, I I think the thing that makes me proudest, that gives me the most satisfaction, is not the awards. I mean, you know, I've won a bunch of awards, and I I am proud of that. But the thing that I really like is – and it's usually at Costco because people really recognize me at Costco because of the toilet paper test. <laughs> people will come up to me and say, you know, our family was always a take your pick, Honda, Toyota, Chevy, Ford. You know, we were always that family. Mm-hmm. And one of my big things that I always say is test drive, test drive, test drive. Absolutely. Um, because Things have changed so much in the automotive world for the last five years, you know, or even the te- last 10 years. It's largely an even playing field. Everybody's making great product these days. Yep. There are very, very few clunkers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, not like, it's not like it was 10 years ago where you could easily say, whoa, you're really going to want to stay clear of this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these days, cars are really good. But it's really great when somebody comes up to me and says, because of your reviews, I did my homework and I looked around and gosh darn it, if I wasn't surprised to find that I really liked this Kia or Hyundai or Chevy or Buick, they're making some great cars nowadays. and." Yep. The Korean brands have just rocketed up in quality and design the last five, 10 years. It's really nice when I feel like I've opened somebody's eyes. Great. I love it. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? My first car. My first car was a, and I don't think anybody knows what this car is, uh, was a Mazda RX-4. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not a Mazda RX-3 or a Mazda RX-7. Mm-hmm. It was a Mazda RX-4, a 
four-door, but it had the rotary engine, and it drove great. And it had this great cockpit sort of interior. And the exterior was for its day. It was okay. It sort of had that Japanese sort of way too many things going on. But I really liked it. And what I didn't realize was is this car was really fun to drive. It, it had sort of that BMW sort of quality about it, which growing up in northern Minnesota, I had yet to even discover what a BMW was. <laughs> but I, all I knew is that when I got into it, it made me feel great. Mm-hmm. And, and so I really liked that car. And unfortunately, I then got into television which pays uh, pretty pretty poorly at the time, and so especially in Duluth, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and I couldn't afford it anymore, so I had to sell it. And then it it took a while for me to get a car that I really really loved. In fact, it was actually my Miata back in '89. So. There you go. Yeah, the RX4 was an interesting car because it you kind of had a little bit of that Celica look about it, and the, the little Celica yeah. was such an awesome little sports car, just a great looking uh-huh. little car. So it kind of had that look, if I remember the car right. Yeah, there there was a two-door coupe, which I wished I could have gotten, but I bought it used. And so I had a, this guy was just, he just wanted to get rid of it okay. um, because it was back when fuel was get, getting to be very, very expensive. I think it was like 75 cents a gallon, outrageously <laughs> expensive. And everybody was buying these little tiny Honda Civics and Corollas sure. that got better fuel economy because the rotary never got good fuel economy. Right. And he just had buyer's remorse because it didn't get the fuel economy that he had hoped. And so I picked it up and there was one or two of the coupes in town. And I always thought, damn, I really wish I could have gotten the coupe because it looked much better. And I'm a real design guy, but I really did love the way that car drove. So I was I was okay with it. Well, they handled nicely for they were unibody, if I remember right. So, you know, there wasn't Uh a lot of flex to the body and so forth. So, yeah, as far as... uh inexpensive fun little car definitely a good one to have now here's a very introspective question for you tom if you were a car what kind of car would you be and why i think considering my last name was is volk i think i'd have to i I think maybe i'll say a volkswagen gti oh cool cars yep because i love the gti in fact one of my most fun times in any car regardless of price was in a Volkswagen GTI where I just thought, you know what? Today, I do not care if I get a speeding ticket. (laughs) And I just, it was the most amazing road in California. And it was, I was all by myself for like 30 miles. Nice. And I just beat the crap out of that car and wrung it out and had the best time in the world. So yeah, I think that because, you know, a, a GTI is, it's affordable, it's practical, it's a hatchback, it's something that a family guy could use, and yet it's a blast to drive, it's athletic. Yeah, I think I'd go with a Volkswagen GTI. Fun cars, for sure. You know, we had a GLI Jetta in our family years ago when my wife and I first got married over 30 years ago, and it was a great car. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we had that car for about, oh gosh, 12, 13 years. It was a fantastic car. Yeah, so. Yeah, and there is something, you know, even today, um, there is something, I don't know what it is, I don't know how they do it, but there is something about some of the German cars. There is that intangible 
German feel to them. Um, <laughs> yep. And, uh, and yeah, they're, they're, they're terrific. Our listeners know I'm a diehard German car guy, so you're preaching yeah. to the choir here. I've always had German cars, love German cars, and uh, they've always treated me very well. So I understand. Yeah, there's just something about them. Well, Tom, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Tom, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Okay, go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Um, I got it from Leslie Hazelton, who's an auto writer, and she said, always buy the car you love. That's where I got that from. So I will go with that. Always buy the car you love. You know why that's so important is if you get stuck with it, at least you're stuck with somebody you love. <laughs> right, exactly, yes. Yep. Just like your spouse, right? Well, yes, yes. <laughs> Let's not go there. We'll both get in trouble. Would you yes. share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? I would say just blind persistence. <laughs> if I really believe in something... I just stick to it and stick to my guns. There you go, and work hard. <laughs> yes. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy and benefit from? Nothing unusual. Um, I read everything. I read Automotive News, New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. Uh, I think just get information from every possible source that you can. Yep, yep, absolutely. Educate yourself, as you said earlier in our talk. You'll be so right. much better off. How about a book? I know there's lots of great books, but is there a book that maybe you've read recently that you think the Cars Yeah listeners would really enjoy reading? You know, nothing car-related comes to mind right now. I mean, I have read, you know, Bob Lutz's books. But you know what? I read this book, and, and it's because I like detail and, and sort of trivia. Mm -hmm. It's called The Emperors of Chocolate. Well, that's a new one here. Yeah, I think the guy that, I think it's Joel Brenner that wrote it. Um, okay. It's, it's about the history of how the chocolate industry happened. And it's crazy about how it follows Nestle and Mars and Hershey and how the Mars brothers, the Mars family, mm -hmm. they make the CIA look like amateurs. <laughs> they are incredibly secretive. It's a fascinating book. I know it doesn't sound very interesting, but I, I couldn't put it down. Oh, great. Well, that's the first time that book's been recommended here. So I'm really happy to hear that. Everybody loves chocolate. So I think it sounds oh, yeah. like sounds like a great one. And I'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources Tom has shared with us at carsyeah.com slash Tom Volk. And as Tom said, his last name is a V-O-E-L-K. Or just put Tom in the search bar and his show notes page will pop up with links. There's also a great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books where this book about chocolate and all the other past 427 guest books will be listed for a quick, easy click and buy. 
All right, Tom, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. Especially for a guy that drives so many different cars like you do. If you could have only one, and I'm going to say collector car, not a daily driver, but something really special in your garage, but you can't buy it and sell it and buy a bunch of Miatas, okay? That little trick's off the table. But money money is no object. I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like. What would that one vehicle be and why? Collectible, I would say the early 60s Ferrari Daytonas. Ooh, okay, a Ferrari Daytona. Very nice. What is it about the Daytona that you like so much? I like really clean design. Mm -hmm. And I've just, I've always liked that car. It just resonated with me. It's, it's simple, it's clean, and, and it's Italian. (laughs) Yes. CC. So, yeah. So I think I would have to go with that. And Uh, and it would have to be in red. Of course. Ferrari red. Enzo is not rolling over in his grave today. So. (laughs) No. Very nice. Well, they're wonderful cars. You know, my son got to spend a whole summer during uh, one of his high school years uh, restoring a Daytona, working on a friend's Daytona. And um, yeah, very interesting cars, beautiful cars, lovely to drive. And of course, uh, this is going to cost me a pretty penny. Thanks a lot, pal. (laughs) I'm going to have to go out and get my big golfer's check uh, writing utensil to uh, find you a Daytona. But that's okay. I would love to buy you a Daytona, especially a red one. Tom, you have taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your very own red Ferrari Daytona? I would say, uh, as, as I've always said, just look down the road, keep an eye out, and drive hard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You sound like my driving instructor. Heads up, eyes up, eyes up, down the road, and keep uh, your uh, keep your foot into it. So uh, great advice. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing? Again, just go to the NewYorkTimes.com and click on the automotive section. Great. Or go to my YouTube page. Mm-hmm. I have a website, but I've sort of neglected that because <laughs> I've just got way too much stuff going on. And so I've had to give up one thing, and that's the one thing that's I've the given one. up. Well, your YouTube page, what do they type in to find your YouTube page? I would say my name is the quickest way to get there, Tom Volk. Tom Volk, great, awesome. And, of course, there's your podcast. That's another great place to go to iTunes to find your podcast. So I'll make sure that I put all of these links on your Cars Yeah show notes page. So, listeners, just go to carsyeah.com, put Tom in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop up with links to everything that we've talked about today. Tom, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!